Hey everyone, thanks so much for joining me on the Slice of Healthcare podcast. I'm your host, Jared Taylor. On today's episode, I'm joined by Dr. JT Fennell, the Chief Medical Officer at Visual DX. How are you today? Great. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I'm, ex- I'm excited. We're, we're kind of rocking the, uh, the same uh, hairstyle uh, uh, beard combo, which is, uh, is, uh, it happens more, more than you think, too. It seems like everyone that comes on here has that now. Um, I don't know if you see the same thing, but every time I go to a conference now, you can, it's, it's super easy to, to see everyone that's kind of, <laughs> that's kind of like you. Right. Yeah. I, uh, one of my medical students thought I looked a lot like Moby. So I get that. Sweet. <laughs> uh, well, I'm excited to, to have you on the podcast today. I'd love if you could start out by telling the audience a little bit about your background and then we'll go through the basically why, how, what a visual DX and go from there. Sure. So I guess, firstly, I'm an emergency physician um, trained in uh, Vermont and California in emergency medicine. And so one of the things that I found frustrating as a medical student and a resident was just the amount of clinical data that we needed to sort of ingest and consume and process. And so uh, my first job was in the Twin Cities in St. Paul, uh, Regents Hospital. I realized that I needed to tool up and have a different skill set. So moved here to Indianapolis in 2002, uh, did a fellowship in clinical informatics and ran the fellowship here through last summer when I joined uh, Visual DX as their chief medical officer. And we were, we were joking because of the many hats that, uh, that you wear. We were like, well, what's, the, what's the title we roll with for this one? Um, so, so thank you for that, that quick intro. I appreciate it. Um, I'd love to kind of shift focus to uh, Visual DX now. Um, Let's assume that some of our listeners have heard of you and some haven't. Can you let's let's assume they haven't though. Can you talk us through the why, how, what, whatever order you want for Visual DX? Yeah. So again, uh, as emergency physicians, if you come to our emergency department with a skin rash, you're probably not the first patient we're going to want to see. You know, there's no blood, there's no like lungs hanging out. And so, you know, we're really geared up for um, critical uh, chest pain, gunshot wounds, things like that. The skin rashes to us, while they're part of our, um, of, of our core content, it's really not a strong skill set that many of us have. And so if you go to an emergency medicine conference, there'll be often uh, lectures in dermatology. And that's where I found Visual DX initially as a clinician, is that it helps me take care of patients that I don't really have a strong skill set for. And now Visual DX actually has Derm Expert, so I can use my phone to take a picture of the rash or the image and then walk through a series of questions with the patient and uh, answer those questions and come up with um, really a differential diagnosis that makes sense and gets us on the right treatment plan. So that's how I found Visual DX, and that's why, how I found and became a part of the company is that it's a tool that helps me clinically every day when I work. It's uh, it's really cool when there's that that overlap when that that actually happens. It makes you more passionate too about what you're working on continuously, right? You have that strong. All the companies that succeed have strong whys, and it's it's great to see that that ties in with uh, what, you know what you're building. Right. So germ complaints used to be a complaint that everybody would avoid, and now it's a complaint that I go to and actively seek out um, because I know I've got a tool that will help me be a better diagnostician of those patients. If it's okay with you, I would like to to shift focus now to uh, a question that I had regarding, uh, basically, I'm curious your thoughts on this. How how would you say the acceleration of digital health um, 
continues to make positive impacts on, on medicine as a whole? Well, I mean, digital health is a pretty broad topic. And I'd say in general, most of health is now being offered digitally. You know, the days of paper charts and paper, paper records are pretty far and few. In fact, when we have a downtime, it's really disconcerting that the younger residents and medical students have never been on paper before. So everything we consume now clinically is a, is a digital resource. The, the problem, as you allude to, is that because everything's digital, it just makes it more available. And so that's the challenge that we face as clinicians is trying to f figure out which piece of the puzzle is really clinically relevant out of all the clinical data that we're being faced with. And, you know, in terms of the, the rise of digital health, it's super promising. And, and what you said about really everything's kind of digital health focused now. I saw someone mention the other day, I can't remember who it was or I'd, or I'd give them credit for it. So if someone listening said this, you know, it, it was you. Uh, but they were saying like healthcare a couple of years from now won't even be healthcare. Everything will be digital health in some some capacity, right? Um, and it's it's probably under that greater digital health umbrella, we're going to start putting more categories under that because they have a digital health presence. But in terms of the rise of digital health, super promising. Um, but that being said, the, the rise can also contribute to information overload. So can you describe basically how this ends up happening and why is this problematic? Yeah, so an, another saying that you may have run into is data is the oil of the 21st century. And so everything becomes um, clinically relevant in, in some capacity. And that's part of the problem is that as we branch out into genetic medicine and that DNAs are being sequenced, and if that information ends up in your medical chart, it becomes more personalized healthcare, right? That certain medications that I may prescribe for one patient may not be as effective on another patient. And having that genetic data could potentially help us make more informed and better treatment decisions. And that's the problem that we're facing now is that at least in the emergency department, it's an extremely uh, busy clinical environment. We're in interrupted, I think, on the average of every six seconds. And so you can imagine if we've got a list of clinical data that we're trying to run through, as well as a lot of information that we're trying to sort out, you know, which is relevant, which is not relevant. Um, you know, that's sort of the problem we face clinically on a day in and day out basis. And so having tools like Visual DX that can basically sort the information for us, you know, prioritize information that's more relevant is, is what we're looking for. And is, is like artificial intelligence and machine learning, can, that, can those technologies be utilized to combat some of this overload in, in your opinion? Oh, absolutely. I think, you know, that's sort of the promise of some of these tools and technologies is that you can take a, a list of clinical information, clinical data, and then using humans as well as technology to prioritize that information to make it more clinically relevant. Um, it can also help refocus you. So, you know, humans are biased. You know, we have these internal sort of uh, rule sets that we use uh, to work clinically. And sometimes they're not entirely focused on what they need to be focused on. So if I'm working you up as a, say, a chest pain patient, I'll get interrupted at least several times by other um, providers, by nursing, by medical students asking questions about other patients that I'm managing in the department. It's not unusual for us in the emergency department to be managing more than 20 patients at a time, sometimes 40 patients at a time. And, and so trying to remember which patient has which disease and which medication allergy can be challenging when we're interrupted and constantly faced with a lot, lot of data.
And you, you kind of already alluded to a lot of this in, in your answer to the previous question, but if there's anything you want to add to it in regards to the question I'm about to ask you right now, uh, you know, please do. But it, it's really around, so continuing on kind of assistive technology, and I think you could put obviously AI and machine learning as assistive technologies, um, how can those be used to basically continue to allow providers to practice at the top of their license and, and do so, uh, you know, maintaining job accuracy and efficiency? Right. So, there, so there's a volume of clinical data that comes out daily that we have to be on top of. And it's really not, not reasonable for clinicians to be able to stay on top of all that. And as you expand that data set to include genetic medicine and other um, specialties within a medicine, um, it's just really hard to be on top of all of that. So having tools like Visual DX that will keep us, you know, clinically focused and clinically relevant, you know, what are the right treatments? I mean, I, I think folks are aware of COVID, right? And so treatment algorithms for COVID almost change daily for us. And having tools like Visual DX can help make sure that we're making the most informed treatment decisions, the most appropriate medical therapies for that patient population we're seeing. Last thing before we kind of wrap things up here, what's next for Visual DX? Uh, so yeah, so uh, the future is bright for Visual DX. Uh, while I, I mentioned initially, it's I found it as a derm tool, right? So it's it's basically a tool to help me manage uh, dermatologic conditions in the emergency department. We're expanding both into primary and emergency care. And so it's not going to be just a derm tool. It's going to be something that every uh, primary care and every emergency physician can use in their um, in their daily practice. Well, I'm excited to uh, hopefully have you come back on the podcast. We can talk about some other topics, but super excited for your first time on the show and, uh, you know, really appreciate you coming on. Oh, thanks for having me. It was fun. <laughs>